As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Aaron Neesman. rookie, I'm saying it now. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Possible! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, I say as always, but sometimes you're not there, but I'm joined usually by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you after the Celtics put a beat down on the Houston Rockets, which we should probably not celebrate because the Rockets have lost I think it is 15 in a row now, 16 in a row. They do not play good basketball. They do not play good basketball. They do not have a lot of healthy players on their roster, but I guess we got to celebrate the process. They uh, they came out and put the beat down on a team they should absolutely do. Celtics have played down to their opponents a lot this year, and so uh, I'm going to give them a small round of applause for not doing that and coming out and playing the Rockets. But it was the second game back from Marcus Smart, we saw just more continued energy from him. But I think the story of the game has to be Robert Williams. I mean, this guy is he's playing his way into the starting lineup in my brain. Marcus Smart's eventually going to come back off his minutes restriction. He's going to enter the starting lineup. The double bigs are going to go. Who is that singular big? To me, right now, it's got to be the Time Lord. See, I, I don't know for sure that he should be the starter. He has definitely played like the Celtics' best big of late. But I kind of like him with the second unit. And I, I think if you play him with the second unit and you play Tice, who fits great with the Celtics' best players, then that gives the second unit a better chance of scoring the basketball. And so I don't know whether he should start. I do know that he's very much earned more minutes and Brad Stevens keeps saying it. He wants to give Robert Williams more of a role as the season goes on. I don't know when that will really happen. He, he started His minutes have started to tick up a little bit recently, but it hasn't been like a huge shift yet. Yet. Well, I don't also think there's going to be a huge shift unless one of these centers is moved. And we have a number of listener questions that we'll get to later, largely focusing on that center position. And we can talk about that. But if they keep three guys on the roster, I don't think the rotation is going to change. And all of a sudden, Robert Williams is going to be getting 
30 minutes a night. I agree with you that I don't, he doesn't necessarily need to be the starter. And to use a Brad Stevens cliche, it's not who starts, it's who finishes. I think he needs to be uh, the finishing big man. Um, I don't know. I still have a soft spot in my place for Daniel Tice. But if you look at last night's game, Robert Williams played 19 minutes. That was the most for a center. Tristan Thompson played 18. Daniel Tice played six. Obviously, like uh, Taco was in that game and the fourth quarter was not really the best uh, representation of what's going to happen. But I can imagine that each of the centers, depending on the rotation, two guys getting 20 two minutes plus per night. And then another guy getting around 10 that doesn't add up to 48, but that math was awful. But you, I can imagine some sort of rotation where I just don't see any of the guys stepping up and like, okay, this is the guy who's going to be our 30 minute a night center. I think they're just going to keep, keep uh, all the centers fresh. But I do think uh, Robert Williams has earned at least the, the guy you want to finish, uh, like finish the game with just because he makes the offense that much more potent in terms of his vertical spacing. And are you totally confident with him in crunch time minutes of like legitimately high stakes games? Are you? I am. Am I also more comfortable with Daniel Tice in those positions? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but I think Robert Williams has to be on the court just because. He, he's so dynamic and offers something that the Celtics just don't have, which is a, a threat at the rim. And plus his, his energy is something that I just don't and like explosively explosiveness athletically. It's just something that this team doesn't have. And as anything you can do to take the burden off of the main scores and just make the defense think a little bit, drop back a little bit because they're, thinking that someone's going to threaten the rim, I think is helpful and beneficial to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and hopefully Kemba Walker as it's moving forward. And so while I might not trust Robert Williams, I think the the tr- lack of trust for Robert Williams comes on the defensive end. I would just think that he's more prone to make a mistake in coverages where Daniel Tice has been doing it for a season and a half at this point. And so, and is just a much more solid uh, defender, but I don't know. I think in terms of an offense that really struggles to get easy buckets, you put the guy out there who helps your team get easy buckets, and that's Robert Williams. Yeah, and I was kind of slow to come around on Robert Williams, I think, compared to a lot of the Celtics fans, because for a while he was still making a lot of mistakes, but he's just grown more and more trustworthy, and the mistakes are fewer farther between, and he just brings a dynamic that forget the Celtics don't have otherwise. Few teams have in the NBA. He's a freak. He's <laughs> blocking three-point shots. Multiple three. He had seven blocks against the Nets. That's insane. His per 36 minutes over the last – per 36-minute stats over the last 10 games are superstar-type shit. Like, like blocks, assists, 17 points, 14 rebounds. Like <laughs> – if he just played the minutes, we'd be looking at Robert Williams like, wow, that dude is possible all-star candidate. Now he has to prove he can stay on the court and he has to prove he can continue limiting the mistakes. But the progress he's made, the development he's shown, and his age, 23, suggests the Celtics have a good one. And if he can stay healthy and if he can stay on this trend line, then... That's a big deal for them now. It's a big deal for them later. And it could convince them to trade either Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice. Well, that's the situation that I think becomes um, very interesting. We've seen Tice. He got six minutes before the break against the Raptors. He got six minutes last night against the Rockets. Again, garbage time fourth quarter where you see nine minutes of taco fall. So it's not necessarily the normal thing, but it does seem like Tristan Thompson is getting a little bit more of an opportunity right now than Daniel Tice. And do you think that holds out when, um, I guess, Marcus Smart returns to the starting lineup? Do you think that still is Tristan Thompson is basically your starter and Daniel Tice is more of a matchup big? Well, here's here's another layer to that. If you continue to cut into Tice's minutes, is he going to be pissed off and walk as a free agent this offseason? And I think that... That, those questions are questions the Celtics front office need to ask right now. 
because I do think Tice has value. Uh, Thompson, I think, might have less value because his contract is twice as much and it extends for another year. Um, but they should they should be thinking about trades. They should be thinking about what they could get with those guys um, because, like, let's say you, you trade Tristan Thompson and I came up with the stupid Tristan Thompson for George Tristan Thompson and a pick for George Hill trade. Oh, I don't 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 be so hard on yourself. I thought that was a great fake trade, but it was just a random fake trade. Um, but if that happens, then you pick up you pick up perimeter help. You add you add basically you take away very little because you're you're going to just replace Thompson's minutes with Daniel Tyson, Robert Williams, who are at least as good as Tristan Thompson. And then you save the trade exception. So if if the Celtics can find something like that, I think I think it's a home run. I think they need to do it. Um, if they can't find something that beneficial, then like there's no need for them to definitely trade one of the guys. They could just sit one of the guys, bench one of the guys, diminish minutes for one of the guys. But they shouldn't do it at the expense of Robert Williams's playing time and Robert Williams's development. I think he's he's kind of emerged as outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, their most important young piece. And I, he, I wouldn't he have raises the that. ceiling with his vertical spacing. Yeah. And he's just, he's come a long way. He's got in way better shape. I, I feel like that's not talked about enough, just how much better shape he's gotten into from when he first started with the Celtics. But he, he just keeps killing it. He's, he's killing it. It's time to go to the Justin listeners. Patton is no match for Robert Williams. <laughs> Justin Patton is no match for many an NBA player. The Houston Rockets uh, organization is a sick joke, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We have a question from, and this is kind of uh, what we've been talking about, but from this is at fattest PP. Uh, will Tice remain on the team in the future? And what do you think he's worth on the trade and open market? You kind of touched on that. Uh, the listener gods know me. I'm a huge Tice guy. I think Tice is... Uh, Excellent defender. I think he's smart. He uh, knows where to play on the offensive end. I think he's much more dynamic of a player. I think he's much better than Tristan Thompson. And because of that, I think he's much has so much more trade value than Tristan Thompson. I know he's an expiring contract, but I that because of that, I don't think the Celtics are going to spend a lot of money to re-sign him. There's been all this talk recently about the hard cap and the luxury tax. Are they really dipping into that to pay Daniel Tice? Now, I think we had this discussion earlier in the season, but I think he's going to do for a payday. I think he's worth more than $5 million a year that he's making now. There's going to be a number of teams with cap space next year. I just think he's proven to be a, a solid big, and those type of players get paid this year. And do you really want to add uh, Daniel Tice to the list of Celtic stars who left and the Celtics got nothing. I mean, there's Al Horford, there's Gordon Hayward. Do we add Daniel Tice to that list? I think the smart move is to trade him now because there, I just don't see the Celtics paying him. This I never thought you would advocate for trading it, Daniel. It Tice. hurts me. It pains me, but I think he has much more value than Tristan Thompson does at this point. And if you really want to go out and get a guy, you have to put up some value. And I think because I think Daniel Tice is going to walk at the end of the year, it makes more sense to trade him now and actually get something for him than just kind of ride or die with him in the season. What about if they traded Tristan Thompson instead and then use that money to give Tice a raise and keep him around instead? I'm cool with that, but I just don't think that other teams other teams have eyes too, and I don't think they're going to want Tristan Thompson. Chris Haynes reported today that Tristan Thompson could be a target of the Toronto Raptors. I guess so. I think that kind of makes sense. They need a what a backup big to Baines, although backup big to Chris Boucher. Boucher is a, a, a excellent shooter. I don't know, like who do we, who would the Celtics get for that? Who are they with? Like is that a Norm Powell deal? What is the what is the return on that, or is it part of some sort of wacky three team deal? I don't know. This is a question that I um, was talking about with Mike Smeltz on the last podcast, and he just kind of declared that he thought the Celtics needed a ball handler 
And I thought they like needed more of a wing, defensive, versatile guy. What do you think their greatest need is right now? Is do you think it is another like kind of person to play above Jeff Teague and Peyton Pritchard and be a ball handler playmaker, or do you think it's like kind of the versatile wing type, uh, maybe three and D kind of guy? Kind of guy. I think they have a lot of needs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously, shooting is one of them. Supporting cast shooting is very important. They don't shoot a lot of threes. They don't make a lot of threes, even though they have Tatum, Brown, and Kemba. Um, I think Smart's return and getting healthy will solidify some of that, but that's an obvious one. And then I, I do think passing is something that they need to get more of. And it doesn't have to be like a point guard playmaker, but if they could get a power forward who's a plus passer, that would help too. Like just ball movers. They don't have enough ball movers or guys that are like comfortable just making the extra pass, throwing a backdoor pass. There's very little of that in the Celtics offense. And I imagine it pisses off Brad Stevens because Brad Stevens likes when the ball's moving and he likes when the ball's whipping around and the Celtics just don't have a ton of good passers. If he likes ball movement, why does he keep playing Tristan Thompson, who's never passed a rebound uh, out to the perimeter in his life? He's thrown a few lately. He has thrown a few kickout passes lately. I, I will give it to him. He even threw one like right after he caught it, which was a stunner. Um, but yeah, I, and that's another way Robert Williams helps too. He's a he can be a useful passer. He's definitely a willing passer. Um, he's far more likely to kick out immediately upon getting an offensive rebound than <laughs> Tristan. Sometimes to his detriment. So he's far more likely to kick out immediately upon getting defensive rebound and throw it into yeah. the stands. But uh, he does. Dime Lord does pass the ball. This is a question from Diego B. Martin. Uh, do the Celtics need to keep paying Tristan Thompson because he's their first clutch client and Rich Paul would send every player to L.A. if he could? Do you think there's anything about that of just like Tristan Thompson's a free agent and like they brought him in and promised him a role? Or um, is that just completely Celtics Twitter nonsense? I love how clutch has like just spooked people. Oh, yeah. Clutch they completely a- they completely orchestrated uh, Anthony Davis to the Lakers, and so I think you have to give them some credit for that. Who's James Harden's agent? I don't know because they orchestrated James Harden to the Nets, and you're not petrified of him. That is a fair point. Are you petrified of Mark Bartlestein, Gordon Hayward's agent? Because he- yeah, yeah, Mark Bartlestein, <laughs> he he gets his clients top dollar. Uh, no, I would just say. There could be something to the fact that Clutch is very powerful. Um, But I don't think it necessarily has to be like you have to keep him and hold on to him. Like you could just do right by him. Like just tell him, look, our situation has changed. Robert Williams is better than we thought. We'd like you to move you somewhere that would be amenable to you if, if that's cool. Um. Like, if you're just honest with a guy, like, I don't see the the harm in that. But, but yeah, Clutch does have power. It's definitely a powerful agency. But I don't think that, like, precludes the Celtics from shopping him around and looking to see what they get. Yeah, I think it's just a fun conspiracy theory to have. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. 
Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Speaking of trades, I'm trying to combine a question here from at Zeus Tatum and at Anovello7 asking about the bench. Uh, How would you rank, I guess, in terms of trade value, the Celtics bench players? uh, And then keeping in mind, where does that compare to like a 2020 first round pick or 2021 first round pick? So what are the values? If we're looking at the assets uh, for potential trade, how would you rank them? Um, and where does like who who is below the first round draft pick line in terms of trade value? Uh, uh, Robert Williams is probably the most valuable at this stage. I would have to guess. Um, is he has he become untouchable? No, <laughs> no. Just asking the questions here. No, I mean, if, if, for the right trade, yeah, the Celtics should move Robert Williams. Like, if if he could be a part of, let's say, a move for Bradley Beal. I'm just throwing that name out there because Bradley Beal is oh, – if you could use Robert Williams in some package of picks and whatever to get Bradley Beal, like, fuck yeah, you should do it. But if it's for something lesser, like Robert Williams has proven he's – worth more than that so no he's not untouchable um very few few players are this deadline where it seems unlikely that they're going to get a star like bradley beal and so the guys who are in my head more likely to be traded neesmith romeo langford peyton pritchard i think that's where you would probably rank those three grant williams yeah, who who has the most value right now in terms of trade? I think I Grant would, is the most proven player, uh, just in terms of like being consistent. No other other guys has really show like shown that they can be consistent. Not that Grant has done amazing things in the NBA, but I just I feel like I as a Celtics fan trust Grant more than I do Neesmith or Romeo or even Fast PP. Yeah, I guess it depends how people evaluated Neesmith and Langford before the draft. Because we haven't really gotten a chance to see much of those guys. And maybe that says a lot about them. But I also think like both those guys went in the late lottery. Both those guys were expected to go around the late lottery. Um, and so teams, obviously, at least going into the draft, thought those guys were good talents and had a chance to be pretty good players. So I would imagine those guys still have some level of value, especially given that they both play on the wing which is, you know, gold right now in today's NBA. Um, Pritchard has been in a rotation from day one, and he's still a rookie, so he's got plenty of years left under team control. So that that would be at least have some value. Um, but Do yeah, they have that much value because it feels no, like prob- they're probably prob- not. There's like very much overvalued by Celtics fans, and I think that's just a natural thing of like being a fan and watch your own players. But then you guys were doing those round tables with um, Josh Robbins who covers the magic. And it'd be like, what would it take to get um, Aaron Gordon? And it was, or whatever the name was. And it was like, they would, that would need Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith and four first round picks. Like there's value in terms of like what the other teams around the league are looking for just doesn't seem to like there's much there. And so I don't know what the the kind of target is. It's but like it just doesn't seem like they have much value. I don't. I have no idea. Well, neither of them has done anything in the NBA. That's the that's the whole point. It's like so. Uh, that's why it feels like a first round pick is more valuable just because of like the classic, like you drive the car off a lot, you lose the value. The first round pick could be anybody, and so they're like people get excited about that. But as soon as it turns into a player. And now two players who haven't really done anything in the NBA, it feels like if I'm another team, if I'm the Sacramento Kings and I'm possibly looking to trade Harrison Barnes, I'm much more interested in the Celtics first round picks, even though they're probably going to be in the late teens or early 20s. And that's a crapshoot. I can still convince my front office or my owner that, hey, we have all these first round picks coming up. Uh, it's much easier to do that than just saying, hey, we have 
a guy who hasn't done anything in the league coming into town. Yeah, maybe. But also, I think there's a chance like somebody looks at Neesmith and thinks that guy had a tough, tough injury luck heading into his NBA first NBA season. Didn't get a training camp um, and could still I'm, figure things out. I'm so not I, saying they're bad. I'm just saying that they feel like yeah, they have less I mean, value. It's like the Southern like young guys don't have a ton of value. And so we Shams uh, wrote today, or was it Sam Amick? Someone from the great uh, sports reporting website, The Athletic, uh, discussing the Celtics' continued interest in Harrison Barnes. It sounds like the Kings have real not a lot of interest in trading him. I don't know if there's any way that the math works without kind of using the trade exception. Danny Ainge has said the trade exception is more likely to be used in the offseason. Do you think there's the Celtics still have the potential to land a, a bigger guy, I would say, like Harrison Barnes? Or do you think it's much more likely they go for a, a smaller deal, um, I don't know, with someone who's a bit older, maybe expiring contract, um, like a Terrence Ross or something like that? I think all options should be on the table. Um, I It would be weird to me if the Kings do look at Harrison Barnes and think under no circumstances should we move this guy because they're going nowhere. They're 15 and 23. They're three and seven in their last 10 games. They are not going to make the playoffs. They should probably be pivoting away from their 28 and older guys like Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald's old. For he's Buddy Heald's like 29. I was going to say he's old for his age, but I meant he's, <laughs> he's old for how long he's been in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they should be willing to part with Harrison Barnes for the right price. What that is, I don't know. Um Here's a question I have about Harrison Barnes is I think it's going to take a lot more than the Celtics fans think to kind of get him out of Sacramento. I would assume multiple first round picks and multiple of those younger players. He's still on contract for a number of years. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. 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 What do you think the price for Harrison Barnes is then? I think a pick and a player. Just one first round pick and one player. Yeah, I mean his contract's not good. He's it's diminishing. He's not great. Um, and the Celtics could offer them the ability to get off that contract without taking back any additional salary, which they could consider a big deal. Um, from the reporting today, it doesn't sound like they're at all interested in a pick and a player. Like they, it doesn't seem like that's what the Kings would want in terms of value back for Harrison. Maybe, Martin. but perhaps the Kings should re-look at how they value him. Okay, so I think it's going to be slightly more than just a pick and a player, but I, I think that still allows us to ask the question, say it's a pick and two players or two picks and a player, is it worth trading, giving up those things for, basically Harrison Barnes would immediately become your sixth man? I think he, we've talked about Robert Williams emerging as this great player who needs to get more minutes Last year, the Celtics had an interesting issue where they just couldn't play their five best guys. Although we thought the best five lineup was going to be amazing, it wasn't good. And just position-wise, they're just way too small. Does Do you trade for someone like Harrison Barnes? Do you give up multiple assets for a guy who at best can be uh, your sixth man because you're not going to play a Harrison Barnes at center lineup or a I guess it might be Jason Tatum at center lineup. And that just doesn't really work with, I guess, the current roster construction. Are you giving up a lot of guys who's basically Harrison Barnes is a, a your fourth or your fifth best player, a sixth best player? Are you giving up that much assets for a guy who's not a definite starter? I mean, it de depends what the deal would be, right? If it's a pick and a young player, then then maybe look at that and say, yeah, maybe look at that and say there aren't any other better options at the with the trade exception. Harrison Barnes would definitely help the Celtics. He'd be an upgrade on their supporting cast. He's not a great player. He's not an all-star, but like going out, finding help and finding relatively young help um, 
wouldn't be the worst thing. I'm I'm not in love with Harrison Barnes's game, but I do think he'd he'd be an upgrade. Um, and so it, it all depends on price. And the Celtics have this big trade exception. You know, you can have huge dreams with that, but look at the Warriors. They probably had huge dreams with theirs too. And they got Kelly Oubre Jr., who's like a fine piece who can be a helpful piece in a situation, but like he's not the answer to your woes. So like if you're setting your sights much higher than Harrison Barnes or you're thinking like like the the Celtics should get like a superstar I just don't see that and so there there's a balance they need to strike between using too many assets on the wrong guy and using no assets and coming away with the supporting cast that they have this question kind of touches on that issue. It's trying to, again, combine questions because we had a lot of overlap, but it's from Carrot Cake slash Grapefruit slash Marvel Hater at Ghost Huncho 2. What a name. Well, a fantastic name. Uh, he thinks that Kemba no longer fits as, I guess, the third guy to put around Jason Tatum and Jalen uh, Brown and would rather they target uh, switchable defensive facilitators he mentions Lonzo, Shea Gildress, Malcolm Brogdon, and I think that's a better fit. And then there's another question about, and let me find it from who it's from, but it's basically asking if they don't use the trade exception now, who's that top target uh, in the offseason, thinking that you're just trying to build around this core of basically the two Js? Is it another switchable wing, or is it as Carrot Cake, Grapefruit Juice, Marvel Hater says – more of a defensive guy, a facilitator, more of a guard who can kind of take those minutes uh, from Kemba, assuming that Kemba continues kind of a to plateau or get a little bit worse as he gets older. Uh, the question about whether Kemba is like the perfect fit for Tatum and Brown, I think that's that's a warranted one. I think, you know, like let's say Marcus Smart was a Celtics starting point guard. I think the Celtics would have huge defensive potential um, if they could, like, trade not trade Kemba, but if they could replace Kemba somehow in this theoretical world with oh, like a trade. Yeah, but if they if if they they could just replace him with, you know, a, a long wing, then yeah, maybe the defense definitely the defense should improve, but. I also think Tatum and Brown, I'm not sure they're ready yet to be like the guys to drive an offense. Oh, no, we've seen that very clearly this year that they are not ready for that. And they maybe they would be as playmakers. Maybe they would be with a different supporting cast, but I, like, I think like, even the Clippers have that problem. And the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and even Lou Williams off the bench and even the Clippers it's like man they could really use an upgrade at point guard so I think there's a danger in in evaluating the Celtics and thinking Kemba's not a great fit and that they could do better I just think that if they lost Kemba there would be a big void of playmaking next to those guys and and they would need to find some way to fill that. And I don't think it would be irreplaceable necessarily, that void, but it would be a real loss, a substantial loss. And and I, I think sometimes like all these fans trying to trade Kemba and just going way over the top with that shit underrate how much easier it makes life for everybody else and how much better the Celtics offense looks when they have more than just Tatum and Brown on the court offensively. Yeah. They should just watch the starts of second quarters and fourth quarters where it's Tatum and bench or Jalen Brown on the bench. And it's just the, the ball doesn't move. Kemba's clearly a playmaker who knows how to put uh, the ball in the right position. He clearly is struggling with his shot. Some, I think we saw him explode in that third quarter uh, against the Rockets for what was it? I think 11 or 13 quick points. He has that capability. I think it's just a good question in terms of if you're thinking long term, if this is the offseason now and you're trying to use this big trade exception, what is the type of player that fits 
best around your two stars you know after this year are going to be here for another four years. Kemba has two seasons after this one. What type of guy are you trying to bring in? That was Billy Coughlin's question. I've come around on the idea of um, Lonzo Ball mostly because I saw the ridiculous stat that he's made more threes than anyone else in the league this year and is like three-point shots are sure good to me. But I think that, I don't know, no matter what you're going to lose, like if you give up Kemba and you build like a smart uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, if you bring in a guy who can knock down threes from the wing, I think that's valuable. But you don't want, like at this point, I think you take any talent uh, and you value three-point shooting and defense and kind of trying to patch it together from there. I think that's like Billy Coughlin's question is who are the targets uh, – for that TPE in this offseason, if it's not, I don't think if it, I think if you get to this offseason, it's no longer Harrison Barnes. Is it someone like Lonzo Ball? We've also seen reports of the Celtics checking in on John Collins. Is there an ideal guy out there that you think is just like, oh, he's a very good fit next to Tatum and Brown? Uh, I mean, I think Lonzo would weirdly fit better with the Celtics than he probably does in New Orleans. <laughs> he like ball mover, like we said earlier, that's a need the Celtics have. And he's also long enough to play either alongside Kemba or be like a second unit quasi point guard next to Brown or Tatum, some other guy making plays. So Lonzo would be a good fit. I think he'd be expensive. Um, he's had a good year. He's a good defender. He's a good rebounder. He can shoot now. So he's restricted this year, right? So, yeah, so, and so a lot of teams have cap space. So, so you'd have to pay to get him on the trade market and then pay to keep him in the, the shape of whatever his next contract would be. It'll probably be pretty substantial. So I don't know if he's a perfect trade fit, but um, he would definitely help. Southwick should definitely make calls on him. It's uh. Yeah, and then I, I back to the Kemba stuff. Like, I think the Celtics should be planning for two years down the road already, and thinking about what could be possible then. Thinking about, you know, maybe keeping open cap space to have the flexibility once Kemba's contract is off the books to either go after a big star, whatever the case may be. Um. And so, yes, like it, it it wouldn't be easy to replace Kemba now, but eventually like Tatum and Brown are a lot younger than him. They're going to have to probably move on from him at some point and try to replace him. And so, and that's going to be super important because Tatum and Brown, their contracts only extend so far and they'll be unrestricted whenever that, that ends. And the, the clock starts ticking early in the NBA these days. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense if you're a front office to always be planning for the future. And that's why I think there's a lot of substance to these rumors that the Celtics are going to go after LaMarcus Aldridge. I think he's just a player of the future for this team. He's shown that he can just uh, make guys around him better. He does all the little things like playing defense, moving his feet. A lot of questions about this from Matt Baranowskis, Brad Solarzano, uh, just trying to get everyone's name in here. Ty Brun, what? I, what is this? This is utter nonsense, right? Like, there's no reason why the Celtics would ever want Lamarcus Aldridge on their team. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. He's not good anymore. Explain to me these rumors. I don't think it would make sense as the Celtics are constructed right now. But let's say they do trade one of their big men, right? And then they need a little more front court depth. Aldridge has become a good three point shooter. He takes. He's like, only, you can only get him on the buyout market, though. Like you cannot give up assets to bring yeah, in. Yeah, it wouldn't. Player. It wouldn't be a trade. They they shouldn't trade for him. That that would be bad. But if he gets bought out, and they have a need for a center at that point. He's he's still a pick and pop guy. Still hits a super high percentage of mid range jump shots. Can still hurt switches on the block, though he's not quite as good at that as he used to be. Um, he would definitely slow things down, 
for the Celtics. But I think like if he's your third center, like he's he's not a bad guy to have as as injury insurance if Robert Williams goes down, for yeah. example, or sense if you trade one of the other bigs and then need some depth like to go out and use any money on him when you already have an existing log jam at center the only position which he can play anymore i just think it's uh tomfoolery ballyhoo and i just don't i don't want any part of it yeah that that's the only circumstance where i would see it making sense is if he does get bought out and the celtics have trimmed their center rotation by then and that's like Honestly, if I were him, that's the only way I'd even consider the Celtics because he's probably going to want to go to a place where he can get a ring. Boston won't be the best opportunity for that. He's going to want to go a place where he can get minutes. And Boston he's just going right to sign now, the veteran minimum to be on the Nets, and him and Blake Griffin are just going to be sipping champagne. Each of them can play, like trade off which games they play. Uh, it's just all Andre Drummond's going to get bought out and go to the Nets. It's just going to be a bunch of people just ride in the Nets train to a ring. What if they lose? Then they will feel pretty pretty foolish uh, for riding that net stream. All right, before we get to the potable six-pack and round out this podcast, I just thought it was a solid question from J.P. Roy at I am J.P. Roy. What is the most rhythmatic Celtics lineup? <laughs> Love that question. Uh, rhythmatic. So they need both the rhythm – and the Matic part. And I think that's a key thing to kind of factor in when you're trying to figure this out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this one, four of the guys are pretty obvious. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then bam, throw Robert Williams on top of it. That's rhythmic AF. The only way, I agree with you, I think that was going to be my answer too. I'm trying to think if there's any way, um, to me, defense can be pretty rhythmic. Is there anyone on the team where you take Kemba out of that lineup and insert a wing where they have a better defensive lineup and they're kind of better two-way? Right now, the answer is no. And so I agree with you, the most rhythmic lineup is those core four and Robert Williams. But with the trades, I don't know, P.J. Tucker, does he does he increase the rhythmatism uh, of the team? Uh, possibly. Is there a wing you can insert in there? to make that like a very potent defensive lineup where they can still get buckets because they have the two J's and Robert Williams. Um, and they can really maximize uh, the rhythmatism. Rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> the rhythm. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. What, I don't know if there's an answer to that. And so, well, if you guys have a, a, a more rhythmic um, lineup for the Celtics, Tweet us at Jam Packard at by J King. Um, and then you know what? We'll we'll retweet if there's any good ones. Before we get to the world famous potable six pack, we gotta talk about our friends at Night Shift Brewing and the Santilli IPA. Sipping on it right now. You know where I picked that up at the Night Shift Brewery, uh, which is open up wonderful outdoor seating over in Everett on the Santilli Highway. It's a delicious beer. They have a bunch of different options. There's a food truck right there. It was a fantastic time. Just love our friends at Night Shift. If you want Night Shift near you, go to nsbeer.co slash beer finder. You can figure out what stores near you carry it. Additionally, if you're in the Boston area, go to Night Shift's website and you can get some delivery of that sweet Santilli and uh, you'll support us, support Night Shift and uh, you can enjoy it while you're sipping on um, these six things we're about to pick for the potable six pack. Jay, it's been a while since you've been on the show. I would like to give defer to you and give you first pick. I guess we're, it's just based on the Rockets game because me and Smelty did a six pack after the Nets one. So the best six things to come uh, from the world of Celtics in the last, I guess, 48 hours. I'm going to choose... Robert Williams left-handed blocks. That was pretty dumb. I'm a big fan of of the way he's like just using both hands on the blocks and contesting shots with both hands. His arms extend forever, so he would probably block a lot of shots. He would block a lot of shots with just his right hand. There's just 
there's an extra level of flair and bravado and just awesomeness when he when he swats it with the off with the offhand lefties just have a natural coolness uh whenever they do anything and when you do something with the left hand it just looks cool every like the best swing in baseball if you think about it is always a left-handed hitter and it just doesn't really make sense to me why that is but it just feels right like lefties are just naturally smooth with it and so i agree with you it's a great first pick uh sidebar who's your favorite swing in major league baseball history i mean uh, there's no other answer beyond ken griffey jr that uh, is the only answer possible i'm Anyone? a big craig council guy manny ramirez also had a gorgeous swing i love manny best right-handed swing ever manny ramirez i miss manny ramirez man that guy's awesome um but we defer uh defer I forget what the word I was trying to go for there, but it's my pick. The second we pick. digress. Digress. Yes. Thank you, Jay King, natural wordsmith. That's rhythmic here for you. Um, my first pick has got to be just Jason Tatum um, being smooth as heck. He had the buzzer beater, which I thought was cool, but the very cool play uh, gets the steal behind the back up and under with a little bit of a smile afterwards. I just thought that was he is a very smooth basketball player. And when he's on, he makes it look very easy, but that is not an easy move, but that he just did it so casually that I thought it was a uh, very cool from Jason Tatum home of the subway bacon sandwich. That's, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thank you for your analysis on that one. Jay King. All right. My second pick is going to be semi Ojale Jackin. Jack and threes with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, like multiple times against the Rockets. A few of them went down, but I got to love that confidence from Shemi. If he's open, he's taking it. And it doesn't matter how much time is left in the shot clock. Some would say he's semi-automatic from there. Yeah, I I mean, that's a good pick. It was going to be my pick. Jalen Brown's 21-point first half has to be the pick. It kind of got overlooked because the Celtics just smoked the Rockets and the Rockets stink and Robert Williams played well enough that nobody really noticed that Jalen had 21 points and a half. Um, But after he shot like very poorly against the Nets, it was was good to see Jalen back on track, making some jumpers, making some really tough ones, scoring the piss out of the basketball. 9 of 14, 24 points in 26 minutes. I think he's... He definitely deserves some credit for that. He did some uh, did the damn thing after a terrible performance against the Nets. So I think that's a solid second pick. Jay, what is your final pick of your potable six-pack? I'm going to draft Daniel Tice because I feel like he needs a little boost. He needs a boost. He played the war six- on Tice has extended to Brad Stevens, who is playing him six minutes a game. Six minutes a game. And I think Brad has a... It's a complicated job right now with the centers because Robert Williams is obviously earning more minutes. The two-center lineup is not a forever thing. It's not a great thing. Um, And so Brad is going to have to squeeze those minutes, and he's going to have to piss off somebody that's playing well. And Tristan Thompson has played well lately, and Tristan Thompson had a million rebounds against the Rockets in that same game. So... Brad is in a tough position, but Daniel Tice, I, I picked him just because he he might just need that boost. He does need that boost. He needs our support. I mean, just being Terry Rozier's favorite white boy doesn't last forever. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, it is something you put on your own. That is something life. that extends far beyond whenever you've played your last basketball game. But do you think he just, like, texts Terry in these moments and be like, hey – Tito, it's your favorite white boy. Brad's only playing me six minutes. Can you give me some words of advice? You know what? If if Terry's not there for advice, at least he can know that I picked him in the potable six-pack. That's true. And so you can text Daniel Tice and tell him that. Um, for my final pick in the potable six-pack, I'm actually going with you, Jay King, because <laughs> you lived me? out one of the my hell did I do? You got to podcast with Jason Concepcion Network, who is – I think my like biggest Twitter person I want to be my best friend, especially after listening to every single binge mode Harry Potter episode with him. 
I'm a huge fan of his and a huge fan of NBA Desktop. Um, he has a new thing coming out, but he was recently on the last episode of Basketball Buds, Basketball Buds, Basketball Buds, Basket Buds. Basket Buds. Um, so I just uh, wanted to ask you, uh, how was it? Was he as cool in person um, as he seems on the online? He was fantastic. Absolutely far cooler than you could ever imagine. Um, I'm sad for you that you didn't get to live out your dream, but at least yeah, I'm you- sure you didn't talk to him about me. You didn't mention that I was his biggest fan. I didn't know that you were his biggest <laughs> fan until after we finished recording the episode. And it was this morning when you tweeted out something about how you were his biggest fan. So I couldn't possibly have, have shared that information with him. You know who I blame is uh, Kevin O'Connor, because I've told Kevin O'Connor this piece of information many times. And KOC, there is a 0.0% chance he has ever said anything because KOC likes to play it cool. And he would never uh, kind of let me fanboy out about that. And so have you ever just tweeted him like there there is social yeah. media. There are ways to get your appreciation. across. Um, he's ignored every single tweet. I'm sure uh, because that's just not a good look to be like, hey, I want to be your best friend. I think you I think you need to start doing it daily until he finally <laughs> acknowledges your existence. All right. I will start tweeting at Jason Concepcion daily until he agrees to come on the podcast that's a little bit too much. Just acknowledge me, and I think it'll be a it'll be all right. But so, Jay King, how does it feel to be on the Potable Six Pack? To be a person of such accomplishment that you were my last pick. I am honored. I and now I, I feel even better about my Tice pick because it really fills up fills you up with joy to know that you're one of the Potable Six Pack picks. It boosts the spirits. I mean, it's a rising tide. It's good for every boat in the ocean. And so uh, I hope the listeners enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed, Jay King. I hope the listeners enjoyed this entire episode. And if you did, uh, please rate and our show five stars. Subscribe to it. Tell a friend. You're ignoring me right now when I say that because all podcast hosts say that. But it genuinely helps us out with the rankings. It just helps everything we do. So it just takes some time. Go on Apple Podcasts. Rate it five stars. Rate it five, like five stars wherever you can. It's super beneficial to us. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything Is Potable! And that's what's up.